You're listening to Bits and Pieces on Sunrise Robot. I'm one of your hosts, Michael Edwards, from Denver, Colorado. And I'm a Duncan out of Gelsenkirchen, Germany. And we thrive on the support of our listeners, so find out how you can support Sunrise Robot at sunriserobot.net slash support. All right, for episode 46, uh, welcome to 2016. It's our first episode of the new year. And yeah. uh, we, we do have some follow-up. Uh, we, we got two things, and uh, the first one's Baboom. So what's ba-boom. going on with Baboom? <laughs> It's safe to say I've already made more money on Baboom than on something like Spotify. Um, I have to say it's, it's a little bit like the underdog of, um, places where I've put my music. It was like the last thought that I had on the day that I released it. Like, oh yeah, there's still Baboom. Let's just put it on there. I mean, can't lose anything on it. And so I've already made two sales out of nowhere. Um, and got some, some likes. There are, there are likes on there and shares and like the typical, um, yeah, social media, um, um, attention. And, um, so the other day, um, who bought my album was actually one of the devs of, um, one of the developers of Baboom, um, who tweeted out that he bought this album, which is where I noticed it from. And then we got into a little conversation and I gotta say, I really like the community outreach they're doing. So I have to say, uh, it's, Probably because they are catering towards indie artists to small artists. And so the community is way different than something on, I mean, there is no community on Spotify to speak of, but Baboom seems to have one. Baboom. And so Baboom. And we, we kind of got into a conversation. And so, um, he, t- he took a look at my band cam and said like, yeah, why don't you put, um, oh, I'd like, I'd like to see Lavan files on there. And I was like, yeah, that's like a pseudo album. I'm just, putting stuff on Bandcamp that I want to release as soon as possible. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm just collecting stuff there. This is not permanent. Yeah, you can do that as well. So he was kind of like, yeah, all those features that you're using Bandcamp for, you can use Baboom as well. And then I thought about it and said, okay, I'm, I'm going to do it. So um, as soon as I find the time, I'm actually going to use Baboom as a second Bandcamp from now on, where I just upload things that I'm... D- finished with for now and then later i just rip it apart and turn it into an ep um it doesn't have to be permanent and that's that's great about baboom like you upload your stuff you don't have to go through a distributor and they stream and they sell um i have to say every day it grows more on me um i'm really satisfied and it came out of nowhere do you think the audience of baboom is still kind of niche or you know, you think, do you see that growing to be more of a mainstream thing? Um, it would be a long development. I think for now they are, I, I think there are a lot of niches. So, um, just because there are a lot of indie artists. So I don't see there being a lot of mainstream pop or mainstream rock. So, um, I mean, the more indie you go, the more, um, the more crazy genres and music can get in a sense. So, um, I I think that this this is a wild guess. I think that audience the audience of Baboom might be more open to stuff they haven't heard before than somebody who's just using Spotify to listen to the stuff they already know, and then of course get the recommendations for stuff that fits into that thing. So um, we we always gush about how Spotify recommends of good stuff recommends us good stuff. At the same time, it doesn't really surprise me with anything that I've never heard before. So 
they're always giving me good stuff, but it's not like they they come with something out of left field. And it's a I'm, hard line to toe because like yeah, it knows you're gonna like this because you already like something that's like it, and then yeah, yeah, but you can you can never really branch out. And I see that it's something like Baboom where it's all in the artist. Um, I mean, with Bandcamp, the same thing. You can branch out more. You can find some stuff that yeah. you've never heard of before. I didn't even know you were interested it's just in off anyone's radar. Um, I wonder if anyone has a baboom counter going for this episode. <laughs> just a little number in the corner of the mythical yeah. video version. Our other piece of follow-up is uh, we have a bloopers playlist on SoundCloud, which we haven't really ever mentioned, I don't think. Yeah, um, we don't advertise that much. So we'll include a link to that, but you know, it's got some, you know, like any podcast, you make mistakes all the time when you're trying to speak <laughs> words for an hour. And yeah, sometimes especially those mistakes, in a second language. <laughs> Yeah, English is my second language. Um, <laughs> so some of the funnier ones we've we've gathered, especially stuff regarding Rolling Rock. Yeah, things from the pre-show. So not just mistakes, but just stuff from before recording or after recording. <laughs> All right, into the show. So uh, David, was it David Lyons that shared this? Yeah, Lyons shared that. Wow, late. Lions, good work. Um, so there's this thing called Songlink, which is a, a new aggregator for sharing music where you don't know what your audience's preferred place to listen is. So a, a lot of the kids like YouTube or, you know, you don't know if they're on Spotify or Apple Music or anywhere else or Deezer, apparently. Um, but you use Songlink and it'll generate links to all the services and give you one link. And, um, I feel like there used to be things like this, but Maybe there hasn't been for a while. I found that tool pretty cool. Um, it auto automatically detects anything you want. So um, I, I just went there, I typed in Echolox, and it presents me with my EP. And yeah, it's there. It's it's not something else that just it's typed the same way or something. And um, the only little thing that they ha could improve is that it doesn't detect if you upload albums to YouTube completely. So all the songs on my EP, they don't have individual videos. It's just one big video. And although it's stated in the description that those are the songs on there, it doesn't detect that yet, which shouldn't be a problem as long as people who upload those uh, yeah, are tagging it in, in a YouTube video. Um, other than that, it's pretty cool. I found out that I'm on Deezer. <laughs> which was new to me um so that must have been in the um yeah in the package on oh wait i i just checked another link and okay okay um i found a mistake here so the song that i tried before um the play on youtube thing didn't light up so now i checked another song bloom and it sends me to the song echo bloom which is a little bit similar. Yeah, Echo Bloom title The Prostitute, which I'm pretty sure I never made that song and I wouldn't <laughs> have called it that. Um, so it made a mistake there. Um, it's not perfect about YouTube. So on the others, I guess it, it, it doesn't have to guess. I mean, on Google Play Music, Apple Music and all that. So the last thing I was wondering about it is uh, if it would be smart with embeds if you were p posting these links on social media, because then like if it could have a smart card in Twitter where it doesn't force people to the landing page if they just want to hear it. Yeah. No, the answer is um, no. <laughs> what, what it does do is that um, when you click on one of those links, before it sends you that ask, like, do you always want to use that option? Um, so the next time somebody sends you a song link, they send you directly to Spotify or whatever you chose, um, which 
So the first time you use it, you have to make two additional clicks to get to wherever you want, which is always dangerous. Like the first click you can, uh, I would say, I don't know, 95% will still go on because it's obvious what's going to happen when you click. But then you get another modal that says, yeah, do you still want to do that? And you have to read this text. You have to, yeah, what is this function? The big ask. I, yeah, it's a big ask. Um, if I've learned one thing from marketing, uh, music and digital uh, visuals and art online is people don't read anything. They don't like to read anything. <laughs> they don't see that they can even read anything and they just want to get right to where, yeah, that thing is that they want. And, Man, every click is is very dangerous. You lose a lot of people if you add just one click. And so I have always want to make it as easy as possible. Every time I post a Bandcamp link, I state explicitly, explicitly click buy now and enter zero dollars to get it for free. Um, yeah, people don't see just, it though. <laughs> they no, they don't see it, and yeah, uh, it's it's such a hassle. Please, people, read read things. <laughs> it's only one sentence. Um. The only thing about the tool like this, which is, uh, if you care about your archive of links, um, I don't know, if you use these, would you still put them through Bitly so you could track all the analytics on it? Or does that, do they provide that? I don't think they do yet, but they should definitely implement that. I mean, it wouldn't really be much work to implement that. I mean, it's basically already an intelligent short link service for music, um, they, yeah, they should definitely add analytics. And please don't hide those behind a pro model because then I'm going to go through Bitly again. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I might try it every, uh, sometime just to see uh, if, if it gets reactions. But I mean, mostly I'm sending people to Bandcamp anyway. And Bandcamp is pretty frictionless for listening. Yeah, even if you don't want to buy it. I mean, you can stream it and there you go. And if you mention that it's on Spotify, people will go on Spotify by themselves. Yeah. So Pitchfork, uh, which we don't talk about too much, which I'm okay with in general, um, <laughs> they published a, uh, I don't have anything, I don't, I don't hate Pitchfork, but, um, they had a, they, had, every year they do like a year end, like top 50 albums, but they also, uh, coinciding with their editors, they, they do a reader's poll and, uh, it was kind of fun to see, you know, what the zeitgeist of Pitchfork is every year. And, uh, I, one thing that I found kind of funny is the, the best album was Kendrick Lamar's album. And, uh, also it was the most overrated album. And <laughs> while I'm sure someone will be like, Oh, those are different people voting. Come on. It's not the same person saying it's both best. <laughs> Unless can you be the best album and still be overrated? Like, yeah, there's yes. no, yeah, <laughs> there's no, one solid that... five is a great game, but it's still overrated in some ways. <laughs> uh, but can you be the best and then still be overrated? <laughs> I don't know. Well, I mean, you can you can make the best record in existence, but it still doesn't cure cancer. <laughs> You're never going to meet that threshold. Yeah. Um, the other, you know, there's all, probably a lot to, to pick out from this list, but another thing that most underrated was Carly Rae Jepsen's Emotion album. And uh, I feel like there's a little bit of a, a a weird viral campaign to like say this, like, yeah, it's like dumb pop music, but man, it's so perfect. It's so good at it. And... <laughs> It's just not for me. It's I so actually, good at being dumb. Yeah, and I, I, I gave it a whirl because there was articles in my feed about this album, which seemed kind of out of character for the site. Like The Verge was talking about it. Like They, they always want to be some kind of fashion site, even though they're a tech site. Um, 
And I, I just had to turn it off. And I say this admitting that Call Me Maybe is a super guilty pleasure of mine, but <laughs> I, I just couldn't do it. I never really got into Call Me Maybe because the chorus is just too... No, of too course. Catchy. You're not it's, wrong. I, I, no, I, I just, I can't stand it. It's just from, from the first measure on, it's like, I've already had enough. It's, it's so concentrated. That it's I, the most sugariest like, of candies. Yeah. I, I just can't have more than, than a bite of it. Did you check out this list at all? Um, I scrolled through it and I wasn't really surprised because yeah, it's Pitchfork. Yeah, there's nothing so surprising. Any, yeah, everything on there is like, yeah, yeah, that's that's Pitchfork for you. I mean, there's no Arcade Fire because they didn't release anything in 2015. That's the only true, reason true. it's not at yeah. the top of their list. No Animal Collective because they also didn't release anything. But Sufjan right at the top. Yeah. Yeah. To be expected. No, Even no I, surprises. Yeah. So we've got this interesting article on the inventor of autotune and i've always just heard rumors or just anecdotes but never really the full story about yeah the inventor of autotune how it came to existence and um i always just knew that the guy who invented it didn't really start off with just music software it had to do something with physics or geology and that um so right at the top i'm really recommending reading this article it's it's comparatively long to the article that we usually link to because i mean usually we link to yeah this album uh, this this artist did this and this is uh yeah something happened here i don't know stupid stories um and um what i mostly found interesting though is that before um inventing autotune he invented something else something that um made sample sounds more realistic something to do with sustaining them more realistically and so it worked so well that he only really sold five copies to some studios <laughs> which then in his own words um put out the whole uh, put the whole uh, orchestral industry in in Hollywood out of existence yeah they're saying the Los Angeles of- Philharmonic was uh yeah. In the nineties had a really bleak period. <laughs> yeah. And so he's attributing that to his software, which he only sold five copies of because that all, that's all that was needed because those, um, th- those, uh, companies, they more or less used that tool to just create sound packs, which then other people used again. Uh, so yeah, highly effective, uh, software, but you're not really making any money off of this. But at this point, he had already retired because he had this crazy invention that, I don't know, something about $500 million. I just... Yeah, and he came uh, from the, <laughs> you know, the really tough industry of oil. So he was probably yeah. doing okay anyway. Yeah. Yeah, and so... Um, oh, no, you want to say something? Oh, I was just going to complain that the, there's the undercurrent in this article about how, like, everyone hates autotune. Time Magazine <laughs> hated it, and no one defended it. Isn't autotune dumb? Well... Here's the story behind it. And yeah. I, yeah, it's true. Like there's a, been a huge backlash against autotune though. I feel like no one talks about it anymore because it's, it's so clearly so useful that professionals are no longer being snarky. They're like, no, this thing actually, I, yeah, I'm glad professionals. I have it. <laughs> but what about the professional listeners? <laughs> Professionals. Uh, <laughs> and, and you know, it's, it's a irritating. We've talked about it before. I don't need to go on a whole rant, but like if, if auto tune is cheating, then tuners are cheating, then pitch pipes are cheating, you know, frets are cheating. I mean, yeah. Yeah. It, it's so easy to get caught up in this argument. Um, I think that once you've worked with auto tune yourself, once you've started recording something yourself and you felt like, man, if I had just, 
if I would just use auto-tune, I would save a lot of time. Well, that's all there is. If you can't sing to save your life, you can't sing with auto-tune. You can use it as an effect and then you sound like auto-tune. But just for this uh, typical of, yeah, he's not, or he, he or she is not singing that herself, it's going through auto-tune. Well, they have to have sung that nearly perfectly already so auto-tune can work its magic without being noticeable. And if you can't do that, then autotune ain't going to save you. So yeah. it's really just a time saver. So don't, you don't have to record 50 tracks. Oh, um, I found it a lot more interesting. We have to talk about this next episode about Melodyne, which is a similar tool with even more crazy options. Um, there was an interview with Mitch Yor, um, who said that he always recorded that one take that was such a great performance in like articulation and his voice. But there was this note that was just wrong and he didn't want to throw away that performance because just of that one wrong note, which he would have had to do before. So at later they had to settle on another recording, which was perfect in pitch, but wasn't the yeah. same performance. And now you don't have to throw that performance away anymore. And that's, that's what it's all about. That yeah. and using it as an effect. And that's totally subjective. There are points where I hate the effect. Um, to this day, I can't listen to T-Pain. I know that he can sing. I know he uses an effect, but the way he uses it, I don't know. I don't like it. Well, and there's, there's, there's some a, electronic songs where it's completely different again. Yeah, there's a Sufjan album where he uses it. It's the the Age of Odds, and I just don't like it very much. He he didn't use it too much, but I'm just like, nah, no, yeah. don't do it. Um, yeah. No, and it's it's also not just oh I can't sing like it's it's some glue like if you're laying down doubled or tripled or you're doing different vocal layers like individual tracks like might be imperceptibly close in pitch but you can just tell it just clashes a little and uh, auto tune will just smooth that over and it's not about oh he can't sing he's cheating it's it's really just about. I don't know, like if, if you're making a movie and you like, oh, there's a boom in one of the shots, but it's the best performance, like is matting out the boom in the corner of the shot, like cheating? <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And what you said, um, double tracking is another point where you don't only use autotune. You sometimes have, oh, most of the time you have to correct the rhythm as well. There aren't many people who can really sing the same exact rhythm every time like the same phrasing um i know that people said that um kurt cobain was very good at that um so i'm not good at that i know that um i've i'm shifting around so much when i double track my vocals that's even in the end i sometimes miss like an s that just fades out slower on the back end on the back vocals um there's so many little things that you have to make perfect because yeah, it's one of those cases where if you do it perfect, nobody notices. But if you make a mistake, everybody notices. And so yeah. you just want to cover all your bases. And man, auto-tune, just, just put it on yeah. that. And it's not cheating. It's, well, it's just the, a time saver. There's this weird like hater culture thing around. when In a previous era, when you didn't have Tool X or Technology B, that you had to be good at something because it was the only way to get it done. And as soon as technology changes and removes that required skill, there's a whole like backlash of like, oh, these stupid little people that don't need to be good at anything <laughs> anymore. And it's like, no, they can be good at other things and not waste their time being good at this. Yeah. Yeah. What, what if I'm a very good writer, but I only have, I, I can only write a page with a pen 
and then I make a mistake halfway through the page, I have to throw the page away and, throw, and write it again. Let me just use, uh, I don't know, an eraser or a typewriter that can erase or a computer. That's not cheating if I can erase a mistake afterwards. I, I want to convey an idea. I want to convey a piece of art yeah. or poetry or something. And that's the same with music. I have an idea in mind. I want to produce this song and I want this song to exist. This is not about me showing off what I can do. It's about making that song. It's all, it's all for the song. Now we're speaking strictly of recordings here. I have a very different opinion about using autotune live. I have to say that if I see someone live, I'm kind of expecting them to sing without autotune because I'm there for the performance then, not only for the song. That's, I'm, I'm a little different when it comes to that. But man, on a recording, I don't give a damn. I just don't want to notice it is the only thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't like uh, the way Eiffel 65 used it in this PlayStation song, which we're going to put in the show notes, which I just found out about that it existed last week. <laughs> All right. So speaking of live, we're going to have to talk about your first live stream. Oh, yeah. Um, so this happened right at the beginning of this year. I, um, yeah, I had one major resolution, which was... Um, finally get into regularly performing or making music again, not just like sitting down every once in a while, if I have an idea. Um, so I was building this crazy looping instrument throughout the last two months. And then I found, we talked about this, I uh, found Tim Exile's Flash, which still sounds so funny saying this, um, <laughs> which is kind of the backbone, or not really backbone, but it's like... Um, it, it it's always there if I wanted to kind of transition between pieces or just to fill something up. And so I'm finally at this point where I can use it. There are a lot of features that I still want to do, but now I can just turn, turn Ableton on, get up, get to my keyboard there on my right and not have to touch the computer at all and can just jam for eternity and get in and, and come up with this crazy idea. So then and I have so many buttons and controls that if I have an idea, I can just turn the dial in the right way and then it comes out the way I thought I wanted it at least most of that now and so I set up my my webcam on a mic stand that elevates the webcam to the ceiling so you can see it from a top-down view and um, yeah I just started streaming and I want to do it now every Monday um, just to 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 get into the habit of doing it uh, for once uh, then I just I just like doing it. I just find it interesting. And um, I always find it interesting to see people perform, to really see what they are doing. Like every time I'm at a concert, I just look at the way people are playing the guitar. And so I kind of want other people to get interested into that as well. So I want people to see what I am doing, even though they probably don't know what that one dial is doing that I'm turning now. But maybe... If I'm turning it, they, they can hear the difference in the music and they say, ah, oh, okay, so turning that dial does this in the song. Like, it's kind of like a puzzle to, to find out, like, what, what is he doing right now and why is it sounding that way? And I, I, I really want to convey, convey this idea that, that can be interesting. I was going to ask you, um, granted, it was your first toe dip into this world, but were, <laughs> were you able to lose yourself in the performance much? Or is that kind of the goal is to forget that you have this mountain of hardware and software chained together? It's a goal and I'm so far away <laughs> from it. <laughs> so I, um, I, I had practiced a few days before, like a few days in a row, and I recorded some jams, which I've already uploaded to YouTube as well. 
um, where could just um, freak out in all ways. And the, as as soon as the live stream starts, you're so self-conscious because I feel like, okay, people are watching now. They are expecting something. I can't bore them with a loop for more than one minute. Um, I have to come up with something, but I can't go too crazy because maybe it will scare them off or maybe I'm do making a mistake. You I can't control this thing everyone anymore. Everyone on the internet is just like, dance, monkey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly that. So um, I was a little bit inhibited by that, to be honest. Um, yeah, once for, because it was the first time doing it, because now people are watching me do this. And yeah, I, I just didn't want to make any mistakes, which, yeah, which is a mistake in and of itself. Um, I still got some great sounding things out of it, although I'm not completely satisfied with all of it. Um, and one of the features that I definitely want to have is I want to have a way to dial in the patch or just uh, browse through my synth patches without that sound going out through my um, yeah streaming output. So I want to search for a sound and not have everybody hear, okay, now he's trying this sound, now he's trying this sound. Because that can be, yeah, that can you sound need strange. A separate monitor mix, basically. Yeah, yeah. I'm already getting a separate monitor mix, but not on the inv individual tracks. Um, so what I have set up is I can basically everything that I'm doing, I can put that into a clip, and then the audience only hears that clip playing back while I'm building up something new in the background. So you don't have that continuous building up all the time. I can start with like two tracks already, um, and then I can like. Um, fade between those two but i haven't really used that all that much because i found out that um, the way i've set up my machine now in the last month i don't really need that feature anymore um, because i've this crazy setup why i use my foot pedals to kind of set the root note or the chord that's playing and the bass follows that root note then i have my and then i have two hands so i can play a, a harmony and a melody so basically i can control three things at the same time so i don't really need that feature anymore Problem is doing three things at the same time is so hard. Yeah. Um, and I make so many mistakes. So, um, that's really what I'm, what I'm practicing on. So the whole machinery and what, which knob does what and which button does what, that's not the problem. It's just doing many things at the same time, which I will overcome eventually, but I am not at that place yet. So you also recorded this so people can watch what happened or not, not the footage, but, um, the, they can listen. Yeah. So I've put up one, um, one slice of it, like the first song you could say from that performance. I've already put it up first with the actual video. The first document. Yeah. The first move. Yeah. <laughs> the first act. Um, so with the actual video of the performance, um, I'm going to go through the rest of that performance and see if there's something to, to, um, salvage there, but, if it's not now, I'm not going to upload it again. Um, I'm probably, it's probably going to take a long time until I've made a live stream where I can just leave it up on YouTube and be satisfied with it. That's, that's going to take some time. So, um, I don't want to, I don't want people to stumble upon this and see that it's not really fleshed out and then think like, okay, it's, it's not a thing yet. Um, I, I want that to stay up once it's really at a state where I can be satisfied with it as well. Yeah, but it's, it's interesting. So now, um, um, like every time I perform, I find some new feature that I need and I've got this big feature list and I noticed that a lot of things that I wanted to have that sound interesting. Yeah. I don't really need those. I'm not going to use those, but this other feature, oh, I really need that. And, uh, it's just, uh, continuous development. Uh, I've only done it once and I have such a long list of things to, to implement now. Um, yeah, but 
yeah, tomorrow is Monday. So we no, uh, the day after tomorrow. Yeah, we're recording this on a Saturday. Um, so after this episode release, yeah, the next time I'm gonna perform, it's the th- it's gonna be the third time. So um, yeah, if you're interested, tune in. Um, it's usually on a Monday evening in Europe and Monday afternoon in in the US, sometime around that. Always after work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'm gonna try to lose myself this time and just be calm and relaxed and. Um, so yeah, people actually tuned in. Uh, there were a few people in the chat who also wrote something which I couldn't read because I'm so concentrated. <laughs> I can't look at, I really can't respond at that moment. Um, you need a moderator. <laughs> yeah, technically I would, I would need somebody who, uh, talks to those people or has the conversation for me. Um, yeah, but not right now. I want to concentrate on the music for now. And, and from, from that thought, I, I, um, I genuinely think that there could be a future in something like that. So um obviously I've complained a lot of times before that I don't really enjoy playing live all that much anymore because of uh, a lot of um the the overhead of playing live, not the actual playing live. I still enjoy that. And so I'm I don't have any overhead anymore. I just turn on Ableton and go on YouTube, which by the way, YouTube does streaming in Germany now. What a crazy surprise. I, I Initially, I wanted to stream on Twitch. Um, yeah, so now I can play live again. And I really think that this could be something that more people will do. Because now that so many small indie artists get popular globally, like I have a few uh, fans in France and some in, in uh, Japan or something. Yeah, I'm, I'm never going to play a show where all of those people will show up unless I play on the internet where everybody can watch. So I really hope that something like strictly live concerts will be a thing. Of course, there are a lot of live concerts that are already being streamed, like the Boiler Room performances for a lot of electronic artists. But I can see that being a thing of in and of itself, like just strictly live streaming concerts. I would definitely watch those I, as a listener, just as a listener. <laughs> No man, you got you got to buy a van. You got to tour. <laughs> no, I totally agree. I I could see internet live streams, especially once you get. I mean, the possibilities of software are just like mind-boggling. We have we have we scraped almost nothing, and yeah. uh, you know, it's gonna go so far that I could see kind of like how home TV setups are making people not want to go to theaters anymore because you're like. But I have all my food here and it's super comfortable couch and I can watch immersed in my movie and not drive anywhere and deal with kids. And like you could imagine a a little cocoon or womb of like musical experience that you would experience (laughs) in your home through the Internet of someone else's performance. And it could be interactive. It could be maybe it's passive, but it doesn't matter. But um, there's just so much that's going to happen that we haven't even seen like. We need one of those like mass, like amazing, like a Brian Wilson or a Beatles of the new era of like making <laughs> it, making it work for, for everyone. Um, yeah. So I got to say that as much as I like live sound, that it's always powerful and you feel it more than you hear it sometimes. Um, it's always, it's still mostly not perfect. It's not, you can never have a perfect live mix. And just having or being able to witness a performance in a in the best way, like from the audio perspective, also video perspective, if people are like live streaming concerts with multiple cameras, 
you can see more than if you're just standing in the audience. You always um, experience a little more, not in the same way. And it, yeah, as I said, sometimes I do like the live experience, but it's a different way. And sometimes I just want to see the performance and hear it in a perfect way and not just stand in the crowd. Sometimes I don't want that. So yeah. there's times for for the one thing and the other. Absolutely. So we got a couple more topics uh, for this episode. Um, the first one is uh, this this sort of this this phrase "buy cheap, buy twice," which, uh, based on your comment here, I actually realize could be taken two different ways. It could be if you buy crappy stuff, you're gonna have to buy a new one really soon, or it could be taken as buy two of these because and because it's worth it and they're they're so cheap, you might as well have more than <laughs> one. Yeah, you're right. It can be taken both ways. Yeah, but I mostly meant the the usual way of yeah. If you buy this cheap, you're gonna you're gonna buy it, you're gonna buy something else again because it will break on you very soon. And um, so we came to that topic because you're on flipping tables with lines. You were talking about those cheap thirty dollar boom arms, and I'm using one of those now. I've got one <laughs> for Christmas, or I bought one after Christmas, and I gotta say I'm surprised like, hey. how how well it works. <laughs> hey, this thing isn't complete shit, as you were saying. Um, <laughs> I didn't I, say they were automatically <laughs> shit. They just can be. This thing, I would give it a five out of four. No. <laughs> five out of seven. English, English numbers. Um, I would give it a four out of five. Um, there are some problematic things with it, but man, for 30 euros, now that I have a way to get this thing out of my face and not be completely separating my room here. Yeah. Um, that was a worth investment. I, wasn't in the in the situation where I would purchase a one hundred dollar plus boom arm by uh, which company was it again? Was it a road PSA one? Yeah. Um, which is probably a very good mic boom. But man, I just wanted to get this thing out of my face, and for thirty <laughs> euros, I found a solution that's perfectly fine. Um, it has some quirks, but I can work around them and be very satisfied with it. So that was just. That was that got me started on this topic. So then I thought about, man, what other stuff had I bought that was really cheap and does it hold up? And I noticed that that mic stand that I use now for my webcam, it cost 40, uh, 15 euros and I bought it in 2007. It's a stack of toilet paper? <laughs> no, that didn't work. That didn't work <laughs> for one evening. Um, so yeah, that was one case. Using you, you don't you, you shouldn't use toilet paper as a. So yeah, that thing is still there. It works. It never broke on me, and I'm I never had to buy another one again. I was going to ask: Are you still using the same uh, Sony camera? Like, do you feel like that hundred dollar camera versus like a five hundred dollar GoPro? Like, do you feel like you wish you had spent more money? Well, first of all, it was two hundred, so oh, okay. it wasn't that cheap, but um, it's still fine. Um, I don't have many uses for it right now. I wish I had. Um, I I mean, even with the GoPro, I wouldn't be able to stream with it, which I try to do with it. Um, there are ways, but it's very, um, yeah, it doesn't work all the time. Uh, it loses connection sometimes so have with to the buy Wi-Fi. Again in a couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, no, that thing also still holds up. I mean, it's, it's not a knockoff. It's just uh, a cheaper competitor. And uh, mostly because GoPro has a lot of marketing, you're basically paying for the name if you go with GoPro. <laughs> Um, and they, so, they don't make a cheap one. Like their their stuff's good. It's just they. It's kind of like Apple. Like we don't it's, play yeah, it's in Apple. the cheap <laughs> side of the market. Um, right. 
So uh, yeah, I'm, I always like buying cheap if I have the option. And if it's shit, I'm sending it back. It's that easy. But the thing is that I've sent back some expensive things. So um, I, I thought I talked about this in one of the earlier shows that I once bought a, a keyboard by Alasis, I think. And I sent that thing back after a week. It it was a it wasn't really an expensive keyboard, but it wasn't a cheap one. It had a lot of features, but it didn't implement that feature as well. So, uh, yeah, back to the manufacturer with it. It just didn't work at all. So, the most cases where I wasn't satisfied with something was wasn't really something that was cheap. It was usually like in the medium range. So, any experiences on your side? Yeah. So I was trying to think, like, you know, when when is it that you really want to spend the good money and um. I, I, the best I could come up with is headphones and speakers. And not that you have to spend, they find the most expensive Odyssey, you know, thousand dollar headphones, but that, um, as much as we, we rag on audiophiles, speakers and headphones are one of the biggest impacts you can possibly make on the quality of what you're listening to. Or if you're trying to mix you hands down, you just, you need to get at least above a hundred dollars on your headphones if you want to do any real mixing. Um, I would argue there, there's probably something that's 80 or $90 that like could get someone started. But, um, you know, like the Sony MDRs, I guess would be like the baseline I would go for. But, um, that, that was an easy one. I was going to say instruments, but actually that's a hugely varying, like there, there are some categories where it's like, yeah, a, a $90 guitar is always going to sound like shit. Just always. <laughs> it's just a fact. Um, but um, there's, there's probably, you know, if you, if you just need to make MIDI events happen into your computer, like just about anything, you know, it's probably a $20 thing that hooks over USB that'll do the job for you. Yeah. I think it boils down to if audio goes through it, put more money into it. So, um, I've got a lot, I've got some cheap MIDI controllers and MIDI is just that it either it works or it doesn't. And, but when you go with audio, so, um, just to go into the to the um behind the scenes a little bit i was initially going to record this uh this show on the on the not on the road but not at home um at last place and i was going to take like a little um mixer interface with me i tried that out at home to see if it even works and man that sound wasn't really that great like it sounded dull with the same microphone i'm recording right now it sounded really dull i knew in advance that i would have to do a lot of EQing on it to to get it to passable sound and yeah because the preamp in there sucks because audio goes through it if audio goes through it you should put money into this um yeah if it's just to control midi or something else or just to hold a microphone like this thing <laughs> man don't don't yeah cables another thing um you shouldn't buy the cheapest cable but you also shouldn't go with monster cables so there's there's a middle yeah. ground which is still pretty cheap by if you go by the foot um, this cable here, I don't know. It, it didn't cost much and it's properly shielded. It's long enough. It works. Yeah. It doesn't have to be gold plated. <laughs> uh, gold. And I mean, I was trying to look around like, what are the workhorses? And I mean, even though your, your audio thing is generally true, there's, there's just such a huge range depending on what you're doing. Like, um, for someone that just wants like an okay mic to, to do stuff with like a, an SM58 will be so versatile and will do so much stuff and it's less than a hundred dollars. And it's like, you don't have to spend a lot if you just, you're just doing voice work or something simple, um, miking guitars or something. 
Um, but uh, you know, I have this, uh, I think it was around $200 when I got it like 10 years ago. It's just two channel, this thing that Mackie doesn't make anymore. It's a, it's called the, the Mackie Onyx satellite. Um, and it, Great name. it had like a base station, but you could pull out the, the middle section. It would be totally portable and it, it's, it's a firewire two channel interface, but unlike most two channel interfaces, it actually has two headphone ports ah, yeah. on it. And, uh, that's just been so freaking useful for so long. Uh, the preamps are decent. I mean, uh, my, my super hungry SM7 just barely gets by on it. <laughs> um, I need like a cloud lifter or something, but, um, that, you know, there's, there's a wide range of, I feel like the interfaces have gotten so much cheaper in the past yeah. five years anyway. Um, and I'm, I'm going to need to go USB soon because none of my devices have FireWire directly anymore after, uh-huh. all, you know, it's an Apple device, so adapters everywhere. <laughs> but, you know, that's been a workhorse that I didn't buy the top dollar thing. And there might have been some cheaper ones, but it's it's been a workhorse, you know, unless I'm, I've said workhorse almost as much as we've said baboom today. Baboom. Um, <laughs> we don't say baboom nearly enough. <laughs> but unless I'm recording drums, like, where I need, you know, more than two channels, it, I just go straight for the Mackie. Yeah. But did you ever have something that just flat out broke, that was cheap and it just broke within a few weeks? I of had use something and... expensive that broke, which is worse. See? <laughs> <laughs> um, we had a, a, a Motu 896HD, which was an eight channel Firewire. Like it's meant to be rack mounted. Like it's like a professional digital audio interface. Um, theoretically can do 192 kilohertz. I never tried, didn't care, but, um, and the, the firewire ports on the back were, I forget how you would describe this, but the connectors didn't have like the, the shape of the connector wasn't part of the case. And so you, Uh, you could accidentally, if you weren't looking, try to put your cable in upside down and bend the, the, the little connectors and then it basically just completely destroyed a port. And I had two of them. And, um, you know, you try to put a FireWire cable in behind the device and you're not thinking and you do it uh, wrong and then you bend it and push it in. And then you're like, this $1,000 thing, I just broke one of its ports. And so really, really obnoxious. Yeah, I, I think all you have to do really, if, if you're intending to buy something cheap because you need something, but you don't really have a lot of money to go with the professional route, yeah, really just browse for a lot of reviews, not only on the site that's selling it, just on, on the internet in general. Um, there can be some really harsh reviews on gear slots because, of course, it's gear <laughs> slots. They want the best thing. But um, if you read between the lines, you can find out if something is actually decent and not complete rubbish. And then you can still buy cheap and not have to buy something else again anytime soon. Yeah. So for our last little uh, bit of news before we go into our pick of the week, I wanted to talk about these new smart earphones, which, you know, this is CES time, so lots of wacky gadgets are coming out, but, uh. Wacky gadgets! Wacky. Um, these, this is the, the Braggy. Would that be how they say their name? They're German engineered smart earphones. So it's Braggy uh, Dash. It has to be good then. Dash is the name of the the product, um, and so just to give the lowdown, there's there's been lots of Bluetooth headphones, but these are billed as the first or like a new generation of smart earphones, um, and so what that means, according to to Braggy, is uh, 
four gigs onboard storage. So first off, these things, uh, they, they're just like tiny little earpiece. They almost look like really small hearing aids. Maybe that makes them sound unfashionable, but I think they're actually big hearing aids. Then. Okay. Big hearing because aids. the hearing weights I've, I've seen in the last few years, I've, I've gotten really, really tiny. Well, anyway, they, they're a little less large than some of the Bluetooth headsets you've seen. <laughs> um, but they stick in both your ears and um, four gigs onboard storage so you could like sync music to it. Um, it does Bluetooth to your phone so you also don't have to put music on the, the earphones themselves. Um, it does fitness tracking like heart and motion data and uh, it's touch sensitive so the, um, there's no buttons. You just swipe and tap on, on, and they have functions differentiated by ear. So if you want to go into music playlists, you do something on your right side, or if yeah. you want to go some of the other features, you can use the other side. And, uh, so it interprets your swipes and taps and, and all that to, to navigate its, its UI as it were. Um, they're noise canceling, which you can toggle on and off, which is interesting. Um, they're waterproof and, uh, the, the only huge negative other than the subjectiveness of if you think they look dumb or not um, <laughs> is the, the battery life, which is they suppose will only last three or four hours, which I guess when something's this tiny battery tech is just going to be yeah. the bane of your existence. Um, to, to mitigate that, they ship it with a, a case that charges them. And they say this this battery case can charge them five times before you have to recharge your battery case. Now. Theoretically, that wouldn't happen, but just think of the moment where only one of those earbuds, um, yeah, has an empty battery and the other <laughs> would technically still work. Man, that would drive me crazy. Oh, uh, okay. And perfect digital silence in your left ear <laughs> and music in your right. And noise in the other. I already get mad um, in like listening to, since the Beatles are on Spotify, I was listening to some of their songs and those stereo mixes are painful. Uh, anyway. Uh, yeah. One thing though, if you want to sell those, a pair of those earphones to me, I have one question, only one question. Does it have flanger? <laughs> I want I want a flanger real life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I want to go swimming with those things and then flange the the wave the the wave sounds, the water sounds around me. Um a metacom on their marketing if you will include a link to their website. Um they they've got the full Apple playbook here because uh Three is a number that people can consume in terms of like, uh, this is straight off the, the, the way Steve Jobs introduced the iPhone. The, the dash is a three in one. It, it combines three essential features into one product. And, uh, their website looks a lot like an Apple. It website. looks like any other website nowadays that tries yeah, to tell you something. It's just eternally you have to scroll down to see everything. Uh, Full not blade. that it's bad design. It's just everybody's doing it. Probably thin fonts on storage numbers and songs. So, I mean, the most interesting thing about this to me is the touch controls and sort of, you know, is this a new wave of, um, you know, for, in a lot of ways, this earpiece can be standalone, um, which is, is cool. And, you know, how far away, you know, how many five years or longer till, you know, you've got a full data connection to your earpiece you don't need your phone you don't need your watch or anything you know it's like i want to go on a run and listen to music well you can actually do that with this um but you know still be still get notifications or something yeah yeah i just i I wouldn't want to go back to the times of putting mp3s on a device yeah now that i'm so used to using streaming services on the go and also, I feel naked without my phone on me. Yeah. What would work for me is, so, okay, if my watch kind of gets 
good enough in the next five years to have its own data connection and keep me connected. I can maybe yeah. leave my phone at home. Um, then if the, the headphones or earphones, I guess, um, if they'll like do some sort of like background auto sync of my playlist from Spotify, I could live with that. If I don't have to think yeah. about it, I can just say, if I marked it for downloaded on my phone, then go ahead and push it to the, the yeah. earphones too. Um, that would be cool. Yeah, it's what Google always says is that the technology has to get out of the way. Now, this is cool tech. This is a cool device, but it still gets in your way in some ways. You have to really engage with it to use it instead of just, I'm going to just put those in and don't have to think about them anymore. Also, I didn't look how what's the price on these. It's going to be insane, isn't it? 200 at least, I bet. Oh, 200 300. would be all right. I think. 300. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I hadn't thought as much. Uh, wait, 300 in the US, and yeah. then it's probably 400 Excluding plus shipping that in Germany. Is what it says. Yeah. <laughs> but it comes in black or white. Yeah. And just them saying designed in Germany makes me think it's not manufactured or just produced in general in Germany. It's just one of those guys who once visited <laughs> Germany and now it's designed. It's like every movie nowadays is made by the makers of Sinister just because the guy who brought coffee on the set of Sinister is on that movie as well. <laughs> this movie would not have been possible without that coffee. Um, yeah, designed by Apple in California, et cetera. Uh, <laughs> Okay, let's get to our picks yep, of the week. Let's do it. Do you want to go first? Oh, sure. So my pick of the week is Cesar. I don't know if I pronounced that correctly with the song Baggage Man. Um, I found that group by accident, that sound by accident, because the m music video looks so freaking cool. It's yes. recorded with some kind of laser technology. So you get like particles of yeah. just still images that are then being transformed in 3D space, uh, which is pretty cool. But man, the sound, uh, the song on itself, it's just so groovy. It has a lot of great guitar riffs that I wish I came up with because they are just very angular sometimes. I really like when melodies jump around a lot, like big intervals. And the bass riff also, man, it's so smooth. <laughs> and the what really caught me was, so the moment he starts singing... He said, he sang something that I thought was German and then it continued in English. And, um, I mean, to this day, I have sometimes trouble finding out lyrics because when you sing, you're not pronouncing the same way as you speak. But yeah, he in fact starts every verse with a German word, which is, uh, first it starts with Einsamkeit, then Zweisamkeit, which basically is, um, lonesomeness and togetherness, which works a little bit bad in German because of Ein and Zwei. Uh, which was really cool that he got away with it with you mixing German and English, which is always so cringeworthy when people like even Falco, who I really respect and I like his music. Um, I can't stand if a song mixes German and English, but here it just works like if as if you were making a song and you used one German word in there, like <laughs> it wouldn't sound fast at all. And this is one of those cases where he just took a loan word, although he he's German himself. So, yeah, here's a little sample of, of Baggage Man by Cesar. Oh, Einsamkeit, your company's a devious crime And unaware of all of the turns it would take I had to make it mine Oh, 
Man, I love it when they give those hi-hats some space to shuffle around. <laughs> so what do you think of that song? Oh, man, the, just the, the slap back of the delay on his voice is delicious, too. Um, <laughs> I, I use delicious a lot. Um, I'm, I'm so self-aware. Um, so You were hungry a few hour, uh, an hour ago, so maybe it's still that. <laughs> That's true. Thinking about food. Um, yeah, yeah I, I agree with all your points that really larger-than-life lead instruments, um, um, they're not fucking around, like very attention-grabbing, <laughs> very very sassy almost. There's no filler. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I also have to agree the video was just kind of mind-blowing. It's just gorgeous. And, you know, it's like you said, if, if they use laser technology. So it's all like these particle effects and like the depth is really well established. And um, it, it reminded me almost like, you know, there's little toys where you push the pins through. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's basically like a, a very, very advanced version of that. Um, and it, it just looks so cool. I just couldn't stop watching it, which and the music is great, too. So just helped with that. So what was your pick of the week? So my pick of the week was uh, Kishibashi with uh, the song <laughs> Philosophize in it, Chemicalize with it. And uh, this song is just a huge burst of pure joy. And I think that's all I need to say. Let's just listen to it. Yeah, isn't that isn't that just a little bit of happiness there? Um, I, I wrote that this is the song sounds like being in love or or like soaring through the sky on a mythical creature on a sunny day. It's just like this rush of of, of pure joy. It's just magnificent, yeah. and uh, that's really it. Kind of hit a spot for me this week. What did you make of it? Yeah, it's it's just completely fun all the way through. Um, just as as that sample started, I was thinking of Sung Tongs by Animal Collective. And just as I listened the first time, I thought that, man, this could be a super group made up of Animal Collective own palette for the strings and then a little bit of Sylvian Stevens here and there. It's just quirky and it's it's one surprise after the next. So there's uh, always something crazy happening. It also never sounds really fast or too crazy. You just you just follow it wherever it goes, and I think yeah, what I happiness. really appreciate about Kishibashi is some of his like he does a lot of really fast strumming and fast arpeggiation, but it's always like really classy. It's a string arrangement. It's pizzicato. It's like it's really elegant while it's super fun and quirky at the same time. Um, you know, the really fast strumming kind of reminds me of like Shogu Tokamaro, um, but he has a lot of like very bedroom kind of production quality and this is like very high production quality and yeah uh, it's just i don't know i can't get away from the word delicious today so it's another <laughs> delicious song yeah it's very sugary that song <laughs> all right thank you for listening to episode 46 of bits and pieces uh so we got a couple things uh, to close out our episode, just some uh, housekeeping. Uh, first off is we collect all of our picks of the week into a Spotify playlist. So if you want to know what we picked in the past or just have a nice solid starting point for hearing a bunch of songs that we think are really great, um, you can find the link to our Spotify playlist at sunriserobot.net 
slash bits and pieces slash 46 for this episode. And on that page, you'll also find links to every article we talked about in these videos. Um, so you can follow up on AutoTune or the braggy headphones or, or listen to Matt's live stream track. We also love feedback and me and Matt are both on Twitter and I actually have a brand new Twitter handle and uh, my Twitter handle is pseudo Michael, but it's spelled S U D O Michael, not P S E U D O, which is the yeah. one I would have preferred, but actually it's growing. Pseudo is growing on me. Just the, the, the Unix pun <laughs> will work for me. To, to, to be honest, around Christmas time every year to this day, every, the last three years, I've tried to contact the pseudo Michael guy behind your back to get his Twitter handle so I can give it to you on Christmas. But to this day, I haven't reached him. I reached out to people who have been following him from the existence of his account, thinking that those people might be close to him. But man, no response at all. Yeah, it's uh, I'm, I'm moving on. I'm just moving on with my life. Um, you can't get um, your name everywhere you want. And Matt, your Twitter handle is? At Echolox, E-C-H-O-L-O-X. So if you got songs to share, you got topics to share, please hit us up on Twitter. Um, while you're on our website, you should subscribe to our podcast so you get new episodes automatically. Um, and what to do with this. So if you have an iPhone or an iPad or some kind of iDevice, you can use the, the built-in podcast app or there's an app called overcast.fm. It's really great. I highly recommend it. If you're on Android, you could use Podcast Addict or Pocket Casts. And uh, any of these apps will work, and then you can tap the RSS button on our website, and it should pop you into your podcast catcher and let you subscribe. Uh, check it out. The podcasts are super awesome, and I love them. Okay. Lastly, if you'd like to support us directly on Patreon, we have a Patreon at patreon.com slash sunriserobot. So depending on the level you support us, you might get your name shouted out. So with that, we want to give special thanks to Benji Robinson. Woo. Benji, you're a cool dude. All right, we'll see you next week.